Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a home church, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message from Sunday service. Amen. Come on. Well, why don't you grab your seats? It's good to be together this morning and want to say a special hello to all those who are playing along at home. And uh, we are uh, praying for you and we miss you. And, and yet we hope that this morning something would ignite in your heart wherever you're watching from. And even if you're watching this in a couple of weeks' time, we just pray that, that God would speak to you and move in you. And we love you and hope to see you soon. And I don't know if you've noticed the special edition. Have you noticed? There's something there that wasn't there before. Every now and again, I got to get a Disney line. But we've just put, um, the team have put this cool stuff on the wall. Uh, What what do we call this cool stuff, Pastor Dan? It's called VJ paneling. Is that correct? VJ paneling. And um, that's way outside my skill set. Who thought that the worship team were actually good for stuff? And uh, I take back everything I said about them last week, and, um, and, but actually, man, they've done such a good job. In fact, come on, would you put your hands together and thank Chris Preston and Randall and, and all of our worship team that came in and painted and worked, and I just think it's so cool. And, uh, and who? Oh, and Nate. Really? I thought Nate was just a pretty face. No, he's more than a pretty face. He's, he's useful. Good on him. Nate Malia. Man, what a legend, Nate Malia. Nate and Kate are our youth pastors, and what God's doing amongst our youth is something. And I think we just had 65 teenagers go to Wonder World on Friday night, and God's moving amongst our teens. How many of you know we need to keep seeing God advance in the lives of our teenagers? And um, need to see them having their own God moments and really uh, finding God in their, own, in their own real way, not just mom and dad's faith. And that's my prayer for my kids is, as they keep pursuing the Lord. But uh, come on. Well, today is a very significant day for us as a church. And uh, today we're going to receive our advancement offering. And our advancement offering is it's a, it's a one-time-a-year thing. Um, if you're visiting with us today, let me encourage you. Uh, this is a special thing that we're doing for our church. And if you're visiting, we hope you just enjoy the day. Uh, but there's no obligation to participate. Uh, this is for those of us that call Church Unlimited our church. And, uh, but we're going to receive an offering at the end of the service, uh, which is just our opportunity to participate with what God's doing here at Church Unlimited. And uh, I, I woke up this morning buzzing. I could not wait. I, before my alarm went off, I, I was awake at 4.50, just ready to, to just, I couldn't wait to come to church. And Paula and I look for advancement offering as a real key time in our family and in our lives as we've just seen God bless us abundantly time and time again. And so we are in our season of taking ground. As Pastor Dan mentioned, this Wednesday night, this whole place is going to be a worship and prayer meeting as we continue to believe God to take ground. And I want to encourage you, maybe you haven't been able to make the morning prayer meetings. By the way, we still have our 6.30 a.m. prayer. But we're going to get together from 7 till 8 just for one hour, and we're going to pray, and we're going to worship, and we're going to believe God that we're going to continue to take ground. Maybe you haven't been able to make it in the morning, but you can make Wednesday nights. 
Uh, we would love to have you. And then, of course, Encounter Conference. I cannot wait for Encounter Conference. This is a really special season as God has, has just always done stuff in our lives. And I, I, I'm coming with same faith and same expectation again and again. And, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting because we haven't done the offering and we haven't had, you know, the prayer meeting and we haven't had the conference and God's already moving. How many of you know that we have a God that is moving? He's moving all the time. The cool thing about God is he moves in seasons of breakthrough and he moves out of seasons of breakthrough. Our God is the miracle working God. He is always faithful. He is always true. And we can believe him. And, you know, one of our key texts has been, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has already prepared for us. And it, that's a challenge. The challenge is to keep seeing more, to keep hearing more, to keep dreaming more. Our God is the God of more. And, you know, I just am convinced that there is more freedom. Come on, you might be bound in anxiety. You might be bound in addiction. You might be bound in depression. There is more freedom for your life. There is more joy. Maybe you feel like you've just kind of, you're in a bit of a rut. Well, there's more joy because the fruits of the Spirit are without measure. And, and, and He has more joy. There's more peace. There's more vision. Come on, some of us need to get some more vision in our hearts again. I, I've been challenged to keep dreaming. Don't, don't, you know, sometimes, you know, they used to say of kids in school, oh, there's, he's a dreamer. Oh, man, I hope people say that about me. I would love that. Where that's been a, a negative thing, I would love people to say, oh, that Ensley, he's a dreamer. He's, he's dreaming about the possibilities of God. He's dreaming about what his kids are going to do. He's dreaming about how God is going to move. I, I am, I'm the kind of guy that gets my hopes up. Uh, there's more hope. There's more hope for you. And I want to encourage you, get your hopes up. Let's believe God for his goodness. Uh, the moment I put my faith in my own ability, well, that's lousy. That's a terrible, terrible place to be because I, I only have so much that I can do. But when I put my faith in the glory of God and his goodness, man, that is a never-ending um, um, resource of his, his possibilities. There's more finance. There's more provision. God has more more for your children. And the challenge for us is to keep believing God, to keep lifting our eyes. And we've been talking about taking ground. And I've said a few times that we don't actually take ground uh, per se. We actually more or less receive it. As he's already prepared it for us, God has purposed the more. He's already prepared the more. He paid for the more when he went to the cross. And now we must position ourselves for the more, and we position ourselves by posturing ourselves in faith. Faith to receive the more. Can I encourage you that everything God does, God does in the currency of faith. God's not like us. I don't, I don't operate in the currency of faith. That's not my default setting. My default setting is safety and money. If someone came up to me and said, hey, I've got a big bag of faith, I'd say, can I have a big bag of money instead? I'd rather have a big bag of money. That would be really helpful. But God doesn't operate in the currency of money. He operates in the currency of faith. 
I like to be secure. I like when my life is organized and ordered and I have it all worked out. I wish that life came with like an IKEA furniture manual. You know, you open it, step one, do this. Step two, do that. Step. Wouldn't it be awesome if you had a parenting, IKEA parenting manual? Wouldn't it be an awesome thing to have? How do you buy a house? Well, get to page 496. That will tell you how to buy. How do you get your house? How do you, how do you raise children? Oh, Lord. Like, how do you stay married? You know, where, where is the manual? And I've found that God doesn't operate with security. God operates in a spirit of faith and he invites us to do the same thing. In fact, in Romans 1.17, it specifically says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just, or the justified, those that have been made right in Jesus, shall live by faith. What? I'm to live my whole life by faith. That means that I I don't just have faith when I get saved. So many people exchange faith when they get saved. I believe that Jesus is the forgiver of my sins and I put my faith in him and he's my savior. But it doesn't just say that there's saving faith. It says that my whole life is to be lived by faith. That means everything that I do. Everything that I do is supposed to be done in faith. In fact, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, takes it one step further. He says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That, that, that where I'm at right now and where I want to be over there, that gap is a gap of faith. And, 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 and if you come back to what Paul teaches us in Romans 1.17, that we're to live by faith. That our whole lives are to live with a gap of faith, which is not how I want to live. I don't want to live with a gap. I don't want to fill in the blank life. I want a life where it's all sorted out. It's all secure. It's all mapped out. I don't want to go from this to not knowing. I want to go from this to that. And I want it to be sure foundation. But God often doesn't work like that. In fact, can I say that God sets us up that we're supposed to live with a continual gap. A gap between what I can do in myself and what God can do. I am to live with a gap between what I need and what I have. In fact, Paul, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews goes on and he says, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Can I tell you right now that without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you have worked your butt off and got yourself all set up and you're fully secure and you've got a good superannuation, you've got a good marriage and you've got a a house and you've got all the things, God's not impressed. He's not impressed with your security. He's not impressed with your stuff. It doesn't please him that your bank account is fat. He's not impressed. It says that he's pleased when we're operating in faith. 
Whenever there is a gap between where I'm at and what I need God to do for me, that is the place of his pleasure. And he is only pleased when we are completely reliant upon him. So many of us want security and safety because that's where we feel good. But can I tell you right now, that, that, that's trusting in your own self. That's trusting in your own, your own means, your own st- things, your own stuff, your own abilities. And I'm telling you, every time I've ever put my trust in my own self, I've made a real good mess of my life. God designed us to live by faith that there would be a gap, that I'm always stretched out, that I'm always stretching for the more, for the greater things than he has for me. When you, when you do only what you can do, God's not pleased because you're trusting in your own self. God's not pleased when you play it safe. I think that far too often we, we just play it safe and we just do the safe thing. Can I tell you, God's not interested in safe. The guys got delivered out of Egypt and they went to the wilderness where they were safe. And God told them to get up and go into the moor. And I think far too often we get into a place where it's like, oh yeah, when I was young, I used to activate faith. Yeah, when I was young, you know, when I was young, I asked Paula out. I remember I I went up to Paula and I had faith. And I was like, this girl's going to say yes. I said, will you go out with me? She goes, have you prayed about it? I was like, what is that? So I went away and prayed about it. And God told me I was allowed to go out with her. I came back with faith. And I was like, God told me yes. Let's go out. She goes, yeah, good. Every time you, you ask her out, you're, up, you're, you're applying faith. You're never going to get married staying at home on a Friday night knitting with your cats. You're just not. You're going to be single forever. You're going to have to put the knitting needle down. Feed the cats and you're going to have to go out on a date, not knowing if it's going to be the one. But as I take a step of faith, God meets us in the gap. Can I tell you right now, all of the heroes of the Bible are not people that played it safe. You never read in here, Apostle Frank played it safe. Poor Frank. There is no Frank, by the way. And if there was, he didn't get mentioned because he played it safe. All the people that get mentioned are people of faith. Hebrews 11 goes on to list out all the heroes of the faith. Heroes that took a step of faith. And I want to encourage us that faith is the only way that you're pleasing God. When you're just building your safe little lives, that, that, that God's like, yawn, boring. Come on, mate. I don't want to get to heaven and God say, hey, mate, is that it? What do you mean, is that it? Is that all you did? Well, yeah. Well, I'm the God of the impossible. Remember that verse that says, if I'm for you, who could be against you? Come on. There was more, but you didn't go for it. We have a go for it God. In fact, Jesus himself went for it in faith. He had so much faith 
that he stepped out of heaven and came to the earth on a maybe. Maybe James Hensley will say yes. Maybe he won't. But he chose to go in faith, hoping that in the gap I would say yes. And I want to encourage you, our whole lives are meant to be lived with a continual gap between where I'm at and where God is bringing me. And we've got to be people of faith that say, God does have more for me. I can't see it in the natural. My ears are playing tricks on me. My heart is discouraged, but he's already prepared it. So by faith, I'm going to keep going for it. I'm going to keep reaching out for the more. Here's a couple of ways that we live by faith practically. The first one is we got to keep hearing in faith. We said before that, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Let me tell you right now that hearing the voice of God over your life is the only key you need to making it. Every time... We hear the voice of God and we respond in obedience. We see God go before us. The Bible tells us all the time that as we open our ears, faith comes into our hearts and we are to respond. God spoke to Moses. Moses, get up and go into the promised land. Oh, he heard it, but faith never came into his heart and he never stepped into the promised land. Joshua, on the other hand, God said the exact same instruction to him. Mate, arise these people and go into the promised land. And faith got into his heart and he said, yes, I'll have a go. Moses, when God tells Moses, get up and go into the promised land, what was Moses' response? We talked about it a few weeks ago. He said, nope, nope, I'm not going if you're not going. Moses says, I'm not going into the promised land, God, if you're not coming with me. And it's, it's amazing that Moses chose the presence of God over the promises of God. And I think that that's so critical. Sometimes the, presences, the, the, the promises of God can be a distraction. And Moses is saying, no, I'm not going to go up from this place into the next thing if you're not there. Why? Because Moses knows that every key to his wins comes from hearing the voice of God, and you can only hear the voice of God when you're in His presence. This is why we must be presence chasers, not promise chasers. Come on, encounter conferences coming up this weekend or in two weekends' time, and I'm not here going, all right, God, here's my shopping list of all my miracles. Come and do for me what I want. No, I'm just saying I'm a man of the presence. I'm coming and praying. I'm going to pray even when I don't see it. I'm going to worship when I don't see it. I'm going to get into the conference and lean into God when I don't feel it. We've got to be people that hear the voice of God and then act. Then we said, number two, we've got to keep praising in faith. The gap between what is in front of me and what has been prepared for me is a gap that I'm supposed to praise and give thanksgiving in. It teaches us in Philippians 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Even when it's not good. Even when it's not, even when it's crap. Even when there's a gap, we're supposed to to rejoice in the Lord always. 
Then it says, again, I say to you, rejoice. Come on, praise the Lord. Again, I don't care how you're feeling. Praise the Lord. Let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Then it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known before the Lord. And the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. What do we mostly, whenever we have a gap, what do we fill that gap with? Anxiety. Fear. Negativity. This is why it says, be anxious for nothing. When you're in a gap season, which by the way, should be like your whole life. You should always be in a gap. When you're in a gap season, we often fill that gap with anxiety. Oh, I don't know how it's going to work out. Oh, oh, I don't know what's going to happen with my business. I don't know what's going to happen with my family. I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, and God says, no, don't fill it with anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything through prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known before the Lord. This is why we've got the taking ground cards, because I'm writing down my requests before the Lord. This is why God tells uh, uh, Joshua, when you go up against Jericho, shout, give thanks, praise in the gap. God tells Joshua, I'm going to give you the city. And Joshua's like, how's that going to happen? He heard, go and march around it and shout in faith. And what did he do? He obeyed the word of the Lord that faith came into his heart and he, yeah. he did it. Yeah. And as he lets out a shout of faith, the walls come down. It's so important that we get our praise on when we feel like there's a gap and not sit around and grumble and get negative and get anxious and get worked up. We've actually got to de-escalate ourselves and posture ourselves in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. God, I know right now in this moment, I can't see it. But all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Come on, every breath. I'm not going to waste my breath with anxiety and fear and freak out. I'm going to use my breath to sing of the goodness of God in the gap. And I believe that as I magnify the Lord in this situation, that his, He will get big and He will fill the gap in my life between where I'm at and where I need to be. He is so faithful. Hebrews chapter 13, the author continues in, in verse 15. He says, Therefore, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Did you know that as you offer a sacrifice of praise, that there will be fruit? There's fruit of your lips. As you glorify the Lord in the midst of your situation, as you lift up the voice of the Lord, your voice to the Lord and lift up his goodness in your situation, that, that, that there's fruit on that. 
And by faith, you're declaring the goodness of God in a situation that might not be very good. But the goodness of God is manifesting fruit before our very eyes. It doesn't just say praise. It says a sacrifice of praise. That's giving it when you don't feel like it. It's giving it when you don't feel like you've got it to give. Can I tell you some of the most powerful praise? It's just, it's just, it's almost like a mumble. There have been times in my life where I'm belting out all my life you have been faithful. And there have been times where I can barely get the words out. You have been faithful all my life. That's a sacrifice because I'm giving out of what I don't have to give. But he's worthy in my situation. Then beyond that, we, we talked last week about giving in faith or sacrificial giving. You know, the rest of that verse in Hebrews, it says, Therefore, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Wow. God is well pleased in our sacrifices. God is well pleased when we're in a gap season and we don't know how we're going to fill the gap, but we continue to praise and we continue to give or to share in those seasons. That is so important that we understand that when we give, we're actually creating a gap. I live by the motto that if what I have in my hand is not enough to meet my need, it's seed. So I'm going to give it and I'm going to sow it into God's kingdom, trusting that when I give into his kingdom, he's going to return on my investment. When you give sacrificially, you're making a declaration. You're saying that you are God and I am not. You're saying your kingdom come not mine. You're saying you are my provider, not me. I trust you in the gap of my life. Again, this is exactly why God tells Joshua to forego the spoils at Jericho. We said last week in Joshua 6.19, but all the silver and all the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated or set apart under the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Joshua heard the strategy. Give a sacrifice of praise and give a sacrifice of the offering under the Lord. That is going to be your strategy for taking Jericho. And he did. And as he did that, the walls came down and God was with them and delivered them. But then they went up to their next city, Ai. And as they go up to Ai, they step out in battle and they go to fight. And they get smashed. Thousands get killed in battle. And Joshua comes back before the Lord and he goes, Lord, what happened? I thought you said you were with us. And the Lord said to him, Mate, someone didn't hear and did not obey. This is actually what it says in Joshua 7. It says Joshua goes to a man named Achan. 
and says, My son, I beg you, give glory to God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what have you done? Do not hide it from me. And Achan said to Joshua, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. There, There they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent with the silver underneath it. Wow. That's, that's wild. Achan's sin prohibited them from advancing in the promised land. Further than that, we know the end of that story is that Achan's whole family is wiped out. And I've seen, you know, the Bible talks a lot about, you know, being righteous with our money. God said, Jesus himself says, if, we, if he can't trust us with earthly mammon or earthly mummy, how, how could he ever trust us with true riches? And God is always talking, when God's talking about money, he's talking about the state of our heart. And, and God says to, 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 to the people of Israel, forego the spoils. And Achan said, yeah, I heard what God said, but I saw with my own eyes and I coveted them. And I decided to take matters into my own hands and I took what belonged to the Lord. Can I tell you, this is why God talks about sacrifice. Because when you talk about sacrifice, sacrifice kills anything that could possibly position our, be a position of God in our life. Sacrifice always kills idolatry. This is why the Bible talks about sacrifice of money. Because to be honest with you, I think it's probably our greatest idol. We work our whole lives for it. We sacrifice our children for it. We do everything we can do for money. And I think this is why God starts targeting money in our lives. Because we often put our faith in the God of money instead our faith in the God of God. The, God, the Lord our God. Let's go with that. And God says, offer me a sacrifice, which is a killing of that, because nothing would stand. This is why God says to Abraham, I want you to go camping, and I want you to take Isaac, not Ishmael, take Isaac, and I want you to sacrifice him before me. Can I tell you right now, I've heard some well-meaning people say to me, oh, you know, James, family first. Can I tell you, if, if you're here and you believe family first, you probably have not read your Bible. Because the Bible says that there should be no gods before the Lord our God. Not money, not your wife, not your, not your future, not your business, not your children. And God actually brings Abraham to the end of himself where he got his promise. He got his miracle son. And now God says, all right, mate, I want you to sacrifice him. And I'm sure Abraham's like... What? Hey, by the way, mate, we're going camping next weekend. It's my son. And Abraham's scratching his head going, what do you mean you want me to sacrifice my kid? Now, God had other plans all along. But what God was doing with him was getting him to the end of himself, where his faith was not in himself or even in his promised miracle son 
But his faith was staying steadfast in the Lord. I've learned in my life that when it comes to sacrifice time, this is the perfect time for me to put money in its rightful place beneath God. In fact, money, I am not, I am not James Jira. James the provider. No, it's Jehovah Jira. He's the provider in my life. And every good thing that I have in my life has come from the Lord. And so when it comes to sacrifice time, I, it's my opportunity to, to lay down before the Lord and to trust Him in my faith gap. The fourth one is to keep stepping in faith. I'm going to invite the worship team to take a step of faith back onto the stage. You know, God told Moses to take the promised land and they never took it. They never actually obeyed the word of the Lord. And so they wandered around for 40 years in the wilderness until the old faithless generation died off. God then in Joshua chapter 1 says this. He says to, to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's a very interesting way to start a conversation. Hey, the last guy who didn't obey is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to a land which I'm giving them to the children of Israel. I'm sure Joshua was feeling very motivated to obey. Same commandment, same word, but this time Joshua gets faith in his heart and he obeys and he starts taking the steps forward. He crosses the Jordan. As he puts his foot in the Jordan, the Jordan River opens up and makes dry land for them to cross. The Jordan did not open one second before they put their feet in the water. I found that God does it like that a lot. It's when I step in and put my feet in by faith and say, God, I'm going to have a go, that the water starts to open up. As they took steps and marched around Jericho, as silly as it sounded, as foolish as it looked, when they took steps, the walls came down. I'm so challenged in my life to keep taking steps. I'll never forget when we took on the leadership of this church. I was talking to my predecessor the pastor who pastored this church before me. And he was in a hard way. And he says to me, James, I don't care what you do with the church. I don't care what you call it. I don't care how you do it. But you've got to promise me one thing, mate. I was like, I'm not sure if I want to promise you that. Tell me what it is first. And he goes, God told me years ago that I was supposed to move the church from Kalanga to North Lakes. And I never fully did it. I had one foot over there and I had one foot back here, but God told me to move the church. And he goes, I never did it. And he was talking to me on the other side of not being the pastor anymore. He said, James, you've got you've to hear that as a promise to the church. And as he said it to me, faith came into my spirit and I knew straight away that we had to do that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, God. I, that doesn't seem like, gee, there's, we have a nice, we have a morning venue over here. People like going to church in the morning. There's no morning venues in North Lakes. God, what are we going to have to do? Afternoon church? Who wants to do afternoon church? 
Turns out some people did. And when God spoke to us, and within our very first month, we announced to the church, we're crossing over the Jordan, the M1. And we're moving into a new season of promised land for our church. And for, for 37 years, we had been wandering in the wilderness. But we crossed over. And look at what God's done in our church since we've done that. It's unbelievable what's happened. The challenge is that we got to keep taking more steps. I love that they didn't just take a step of faith for Jericho. No, God had so much more for them. They, the Bible actually says that the after, after Jericho, they go to Ai. And they failed at Ai, so they stepped into repentance. By the way, that's a very good thing to do. And then they stepped back into Ai and they took Ai. And then it says that they go to the north and they start taking cities to the north. Then it says that they go to the west and start taking cities out west. And then they start taking cities to the south. And then they start taking cities to the east. And they didn't just take Jericho, they took 31 cities. And I really actually believe that that is a call and a mandate on us as a church. It's not just that we would take this building and buy this building. No, no, no. We're believing that we're going to keep taking steps of faith. I can't afford to get stuck in my comfortable monotony. There are unsaved people that are going to hell if we don't take steps of faith. There are people in in Petrie and Albany Creek and Nunda and people in Caboolture West that haven't even moved there yet that need the church of Jesus to keep taking steps of faith so that we can provide opportunities for them to hear the good news of Jesus and let faith come into their hearts so they can know the Lord like we know the Lord. We've got to keep advancing forward. Which leads us to our advancement offering. Every year we receive an offering above and beyond our tithes and offerings. In fact, there's different kinds of giving. There's tithing. Paula and I are faithful tithers. Each, each week we give the first 10%. This is our faith obedience. But then we love the opportunity to be generous. And that's faith generosity. But then there are special moments which require faith sacrifice. And, and for us as a church, we call that our advancement offering, that we're believing that through our giving, through creating a faith gap in our finances, that God would continue to advance us forward into the greater things that He has for us. I'm telling you, God has more over you, more over your family. But if we follow the principles of God, we, we've seen him blow us up every year. Last year, Paula and I uh, gave, you know, one of our biggest offerings ever. And God has increased us significantly. And now the challenge for us is actually we're pretty good. We're pretty comfortable. If I were to be honest, I can't think of one area that is, that is bad. There's areas that aren't awesome. But there's no area that's bad. And sometimes it's easy to get stuck in a wilderness season. You've been Christian for a while. You're like, oh, I'm going pretty good. And the challenge is, no, there's more that he has for me to step into. Jericho is pretty good. But AI is next. 
and the north is and I feel this in my own family it's like you know Paula and I were praying and we we're like all right should we just give what we gave last year or just a little bit more and Paula's like no we need to give stretch sacrifice giving and so we 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 figured out all right how much do we have to give right now and we're like all right I reckon we probably got 7500 to give right now in fact tomorrow we're going to give 7500 dollars but then we actually have to create room in our lives for the gap. Because if we only do what we can do, then we're not creating opportunity for God to do even more through us. And that is where the challenge comes in. Last year, we, I, I just got the giving totals from what we did last year. It was $397,000 was given last year. And I just think that's incredible. Couldn't get three more? Anyway. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, I just think that's unbelievable. And we said that as we take those steps of faith, that we were going to launch out into the community. We really were believing to start a, a community outreach program. And we have. We've started strong families. And we are believing that we would be able to do more locations. Come on, we've got something in our heart that God wants to do. In fact, this coming Wednesday, Pastor Dan and myself and Alan are meeting with another church that's in the area to talk about what it would look like for them to become a church, unlimited church. And to be honest, I don't know if it's God. I really don't. As I prayed on it, I haven't heard the Lord say, yes, this is what I'm giving you. I've just heard, meet with the guy, take the next step. That's all I've heard. So we're going to go and have coffee and we're going to talk and we're going to share heart and we're going to keep listening in faith to hear what God might be saying. And we'll take the next step and the next step. That's how it works. It doesn't work with all the outcome laid out before you. If that's the case, you don't need any faith. And so we're challenged by that. We're also believing that we can, we can buy this building. And by the way, we talk about buying this building. You know that once we buy this building, you know what I'm going to talk about? Buying another building. And buying another building and buying another building. I think... What if God had 31 cities for us to take? What if we had to put 31 churches in Brisbane? What if we had churches everywhere? What if God, I think that's what God wants. Honestly, I think that that's what God's been speaking to me. And so let me just say from the outset, as we get ready to receive the offering, I want to say two very clear things. Number one, this offering is not me buying my miracle from God. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's like, all right, you know, I, I want another house or I really would love God to give me a new car. So Lord, um, here's my offering. Do what I want. This, this is not my, my buying a miracle. And I think some people have done that before. And I would just encourage you, that's not how God works. You can't trick him or manipulate him. Fasting, sometimes we fast. It's like, well, I'm going without food until you do what I want. And we're like that naughty toddler, you know, who closes his mouth and really he's just hurting himself because he won't eat. Makes matters worse. No, no, that's not sacrifice. That's stubbornness. God doesn't respond to stubbornness. He responds to faith. And so by faith, we're just writing down, all right, this is what we can do. The second thing is, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. It says, don't be under compulsion or obligation. And I would just say to every person in the room, 
There is no compulsion. There is no obligation. There's only opportunity. And, and for Paula and I, we, we open the Word of God and we get into the Word of God and we hear what God's saying to us and we obey. And we want to invite you to come on that journey with us. Would you come with us? And let's see what God could do. Let me draw your attention to the card. If you've got it, would you open your, open your card and get it out? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to pray about it. And, and this is what your prayer is. God, how would you have me be involved? How would you have me be involved? As I mentioned, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I'm not asking you to give what someone else is giving. I'm not asking you for an obligation amount. All I'm telling you is ask the Lord how he would have you be involved. And then you respond in faith. Then it says, number two, to commit to it. So God spoke to Paula and I exactly what we were supposed to do. And so we're going to make a commitment to it by writing on the card what we're going to do. This card does two things. Number one, it's for James and Paula to say, hey, we wrote down, that's what we're going to do. We've got, we, we know exactly what we're going to do. And, and our commitment, you know, our offering given today or tomorrow will be $7,500. But over 12 months, I can give way more than $7,500. I can give way more. And so we've got an amount that God's spoken to us that we need to write over here. That's the gap. All right, this is what I can do, but this is the gap of what I'm praying that God could do with me and through me for the well-being of our church. And so then the total amount is A plus B is C. And we write these things down and, and we submit them for our own commitment. And then it also serves the church because when the board comes together and we go, all right, how much have people committed to over the next 12 months? We have a rough idea. We can go, oh, wow. Gee, that sounds really promising. Let's go start taking steps of faith and meeting with the owner. Let's go talk to the owner about what we could do with this building. Come on, what else could we do? What other territory ground could we take? What other programs, ministries could we start? And what it does is this is a testament to our, to our board that when we make financial decisions, we know where we're going and we know what we're going after. And so I want to encourage you, you know, we would really appreciate it if you would take... Some people feel to not fill out a card. Okay. Can I, can I say it, it helps us if you do, but I'm not going to make you. Some people say, oh yeah, well, the Bible says that my giving should be done in secret. And, and, and that is true. It does say that specifically when giving to the poor. But when it comes to our regular giving, that, that's not true. And, and, you know, we, we don't want to shame the poor, so we don't boast about that. But when it comes to our giving, I think it's totally appropriate to fill out the card and write your details down on it. Then, number three, we take steps of faith. For Paula and I, it's one thing to put it down on the paper. It's another thing to start putting money in the account. I, we've had people in the past who've done these types of cards before and and, you know, they, they wrote down amounts that they wanted to give, but they never actually took steps of faith to fulfilling it. And I'm telling you, it's, it, God doesn't do magic. God does miracles. And miracles always require us operating and stepping out in faith to have a go. God's not going to magically give you $100,000 to give to our church. He's just not. But He might miraculously help you 
take steps of faith. And so we're going to take a step of faith and we're going to do what we can do and just keep doing what we can do and keep doing what we can do and trust God that in the gap, He's going to meet us. But we're also going to keep pushing on doors. I feel like, you know, in October, Pastor Dan and I are going to sit down with the owner of this building and go, hey, Rob, let's talk deals. We believe that God's got this building for us. What, has he been saying anything to you? Oh, you want, you want to give it to us? Oh, what? <laughs> no, really? Get out of here. You, you give it, give it like for a dollar. For, I, mate, I think we can do that for a dollar. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Might as well speak it out in faith. Why would you? And number four, you believe for return on investment. How many of you know when you give to the kingdom? He says, seek first my kingdom and every other thing will be added unto you. When you give to God first, gee, we've seen him blow us up time and time again. Blow us up in a good way. That's a good thing. God has overflowed in our lives so many times. And the last one is we just want to keep serving the Lord with gladness and keep a joyful spirit. He says he delights in cheerful givers, not grumbly obligation giving. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're feeling grumbly, if you're feeling obligation, keep it. We don't want your grumbly offering. I'm serious. God can give us everything we need without your grumbly offering. I trust the Lord with this. So this is why we can be that free to do or not do, depending on what God is saying to you. I don't think God's going to kill people who don't give in the offering. But Achan did hear something from God and didn't obey. And can I tell you, if God's telling you to do something and you don't do it, well, that's called disobedience. And I would encourage you to not live like that. That's the opposite of faith and what we're talking about. Come on, would you stand to your feet? I want to invite the worship team to sing over us. And as they sing over us, would you just grab your card in your hand? And, and, and some of us need to take time now to fill these cards out. You haven't yet filled one out. Paula and I already came with ours pre-filled out. We couldn't wait. Like I told you, I was up at 4.50 this morning, excited about doing what we can do. And I would invite you to do what you can do now. So Holy Spirit, we ask you even now, that you would speak. Let there be peace that surpasses our understanding and guards our hearts and guards our minds. God, let us take steps of faith towards filling the gap in what you have called us to do. Thanks for joining us. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. 